Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 10, and 30-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three, soon to be four books, The Unhurried Homeschooler, The Four-Hour School Day, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, and my new book coming out soon is called Raising Boys to Men, a simple, mercifully short book on raising and homeschooling boys. All three of those books are available at my website, DorendaWilson.com. They are also available on Amazon, as will the new book. It will be available on Amazon and it will be available on my website. So what I would love for you to do um, so that you can participate in some of the giveaways and different things. I've got really great, fun t-shirts, Raising Boys to Men t-shirts and books that I'm going to be giving away um, if you are an email subscriber. So if you haven't subscribed to my email list, um, please use the link in the show notes. And when you do that, you're actually going to have free access to Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart devotional as well. So I hope that you'll do that. Also, I just want to remind you that we are coming up on our 500th episode, but on my website, on the podcast page of my website, at the very top of the list of episodes, there is a search bar because uh, no one wants to scroll through 500 episode titles, right? So just put in the um, keywords to whatever it is that you want to hear about, and those episodes will come up. I'll leave a link in the show notes to that as well. If you've got teens, be sure to listen past the prayer at the end of this episode for an amazing opportunity for young adults. Now, some of you might notice my voice is a little lower. I'm kind of coming off like I've got, um, like I'm a chain smoker, but I have been sick. I have the flu. My husband and I are actually in Florida for the week. And the first day we were here, I started coming down with something. So I'm going to try to get through this episode without coughing. <laughs> so pray for me. Well, actually, it won't work because, you know, you're, this will already be recorded. Never mind. See, I don't know if my brain is even working, but here we go. All right. So here's what uh, I want to make sure that I share with you all, because this is super, super important. As many of you know, um, in 2022, my family had a harrowing experience with CPS. The accusations were ultimately proven to be 100% false, but all of this affected us deeply. I've since learned that our situation would have looked very differently if we had been members of Heritage Defense. Heritage Defense is a nonprofit legal advocacy organization defending Christian homeschool families against CPS. As we experience more and more pushback as believing families, I encourage you to consider becoming a member. Just go to heritagedefense.org for more information. I'll leave a link in the show notes. All right, today we're going to be talking about boys and peer pressure. But before we dive in, I want to remind you all that, you know, every parent's mission is to equip their child with the best resources. And when it comes to math, CTC Math is the beacon that lights up this path. Its dynamic approach makes it an invaluable tool for both homeschooling families and those seeking supplementary guidance. With lessons that capture attention and ignite curiosity, it has transformed many a reluctant learner into a math enthusiast. Grace, a dedicated mother, shared, witnessing my daughter's newfound enthusiasm and confidence in math has been nothing short of a revelation. Step into this world of enriched learning at ctcmath.com. I will leave a link in the show notes to that as well. 
So this month, I'm spending extra time talking about boys. In the process of writing my new book, Raising Boys to Men, that's coming out March 5th, I had a group of moms pre-read it and give me feedback. One mom wanted more direction and encouragement when it came to how to handle boys and peer pressure. I thought this was an excellent suggestion. You know, one of the reasons my husband and I decided to homeschool was that we wanted to protect our children from unhealthy peer pressure so they had the freedom to grow and develop at their own pace and in their own way. Now, all of us want our children to be able to withstand peer pressure at some point, but if too much comes too soon, our kids simply aren't ready or able to resist the temptation because they haven't had a chance to establish a more solid world view. They end up becoming distracted and confused by differing worldviews before they can decide for themselves what they believe and why. This is why it's so important to protect them early on as much from as much negative influence as we can. You know, it's going to happen. They will be around kids who misbehave, but we want to prevent a steady diet of that because Proverbs says that a companion of fools comes to ruin. Now, exposure, again, it's going to happen, but we don't want our kids marinating in that regularly. So in our early years of homeschooling, there were not a lot of activities for homeschoolers. So most of us spent the bulk of our days with our own families and occasionally got together with other homeschoolers. Now, things have changed a lot since then. There's so much more available to homeschoolers, which is a blessing in many ways. However, I think it also has caused some parents to feel like they need to get their kids involved in more activities than is necessary. Because one of the biggest battles that comes with homeschooling is the fear that we aren't doing enough. So when we're presented with activities that seem good and helpful, we often believe these things will finally calm the fears of inadequacy that plague us. Instead, we often find ourselves overscheduled, overextended, and just plain tired. Uh, I'm going to leave a link in the show notes for an episode that I did um, on feeling overwhelmed or I think it's feeling inadequate when it comes to homeschooling. That's the one. It's been a while since I did that one. So um, I'm going to include that in the show notes, but I was having a hard time remembering the title. As you know, we have almost 500 titles to remember. So <laughs> so anyway, feeling inadequate. I'm going to include that link in the show notes. So <clears throat> my first piece of advice when it comes to peer pressure would actually be for we as parents to set an example of not giving into peer pressure ourselves. Um, we need to make intentional decisions about what is best for our family in this particular season. Now, you know your kids better than anyone, and you hopefully have your priorities at the forefront of your mind. And so it's, it's really a good idea to run every opportunity or activity through the filter of who your children are and your priorities as a family. And of course, you're going to pray over all of this. Now, um, I would also say that, um, what, what was I thinking here? Sorry, losing my, my train of thought. Okay, I remember now. 
one of the things that I've brought up several times over the years as I've done the podcast and written books is encouraging parents to come up with a mission statement. This does not have to be, um, it doesn't have to be like, you know, the constitution. It doesn't have to be super, super detailed. It can just be super basic. And what you're going to want to do is prayerfully come up with that mission statement. What is it that you're wanting your kids to know? What is it you're wanting for your kids at the end of the day, at the end of the homeschooling journey? So I think it's always um, helpful um, in order to make intentional decisions to to use that mission statement as a filter um, and also include in that equation who your children are and what your priorities are as a family, particularly in whatever season that you're in. So that's important to consider as well. So the first piece of advice when it comes to boys and peer pressure is set an example. We've got to set an example because more is caught than taught. So if our kids see us, specifically our boys we're talking about today, see us giving into peer pressure and following trends and not really standing up and doing what we know is right for our own family, that's what they're going to learn. That's what they're going to absorb and take in. Again, more is caught than taught. Now, my second piece of advice addresses how we can teach our kids not to give in to peer pressure. Okay, so if we want our kids to have a biblical worldview, we have to teach it to them. I know that seems sort of blatantly obvious, but it's easy to get lost in, um, you can't see the forest for the trees kind of thing. Remember that it's our job to teach them a biblical worldview. And a lot of that is exampling it ourselves. Now, one of my favorite resources is Foundation Worldview for simple, straightforward apologetics for kids. And um, I will leave a link in the show notes for that as well. Um, I also recommend Natasha Crane's three books. Um, they are uh, Talking With Your Kids About God, Talking With Your Kids About Jesus, and Keeping Your Kids on God's Side. These are kind of a great uh, jumping off place to open up conversations that need to happen with our kids about what they believe and why they believe it. Now, keep in mind that developing a worldview, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process of what I call many, many conversations or countless many conversations. And it doesn't happen without intention. Again, we're going to be the ones setting the example. We're going to be the ones modeling a biblical worldview. And you guys, it can be as simple as we get a flat tire and uh, and we're pulled over to the side of the road. Now, we're either going to be fearful, frustrated, angry, or we can respond to it in faith in front of our children and say, well, we know that God is sovereign over our days. We know that he had this plan for us today and that he everything he does is good. So we're going to look for his presence, not his absence. And then you're going to problem solve through that. Maybe pray with the kids before um, you even move forward. You know, Lord, keep us safe as we're on the side of the road. Please provide the help we need. And, and allow your kids to see God's hand at work in just those everyday things. That is where the bulk of a biblical worldview is conveyed to our children as we're raising them. So it's it's a lot of responsibility, but it's also a privilege and it's a wonderful growing um, opportunity for us 
to recognize how am I responding to this? Am I responding to this in faith or am I reacting to it and letting my emotions, you know, run the show? And, you know, I, I know for me, so much growth happened in my life because I was, I cared about my children and I wanted so much to convey a biblical worldview to them that it actually gave me that motivation to not react to those situations. Not that I never did, but to really try to grow in that area. So um, again, these books are great for, you know, jumping off uh, conversations for a jumping off point. Um, but, but again, many, many conversations and everyday life and that all of that doesn't happen without intention. But there is a point at which our kids worldview does need to be challenged. The question is when. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a story about our son, Sam, who um, he loved football, but because we lived so far away from town, he never had the opportunity to play. And when we when he was in high school, we ended up living in town just a few blocks from the high school. And he was homeschooling, but homeschoolers could participate in the um, the sports program there. And so he asked us, you know, please, can I please play football? I'd really, really want to do this. And so we prayed about it and um, he was willing to make sacrifices to make it happen. He said, I'll walk to practice. You don't have to bring me. Um, we, we dropped him off and, you know, picked him up quite a bit, but he, he, he was willing to do that. Just showed us like how badly he really wanted to do this. Okay. Um, you know, and then of course, as a homeschooling mom, I'm thinking about like, what kind of guys is he going to be hanging out with? But I also knew he was a junior in high school and that this was a good time for him to sort of step out of, um, you know, a little more of a protected environment and go into an environment where it's, you know, you just don't know what's what's going to be on the other side of that. And so um, we were confident, had peace about it and decided to go ahead and let him do it. And one of the first things that happened was um, because they start practicing in the fall or in the summer, you know, they, they often start with a football camp. So he really wanted to go to football camp. And that was another thing. It's like, okay, he's going to spend the night or two nights you know, here with all these guys, I don't know them. I don't know their families, but he's old enough. And this will be a great test to see if he, if he knows his, his, you know, that foundation is firm. And so he went to this football camp and it was really interesting because when I dropped him off, there was a group of um, his fellow players standing there. And when I dropped him off, like not one of them acknowledged his presence, not one of them made him feel welcome or said hello or anything. And that's kind of how that was for a while. He was kind of treated like an outsider, but he continued to just be kind, to have integrity, um, to practice well, to put in everything he could and to be be kind to, to his fellow, um, uh, you know, players. And it was funny because by the time his, um, the season was over, when that season ended, I brought him to the high school because we were signing him up for driver's ed. And we're walking down the hall and all these guys who he played football with were, hey, Sam, how's it going? You know, how you doing, man? So he had won them over. Not that that's a goal, but but I just I love how his, his the light of Christ 
drew these boys to him. And, um, but the interesting thing about the football camp was after it was over, he came home and told us that they were smoking marijuana. And I was like, oh, okay, well, what did you do? He goes, well, I walked in, they were smoking. They said, hey, you want to, you want a joint? And I said, no, thanks. And they said, okay, that was it. So he just didn't, he just didn't, he did not compromise any of his values. And that was, I think, such a good scenario for him because it showed him that he could stand strong. And I think it's really important for our kids, um, for our boys to know that they've got that foundation in place. And I would rather he experience that scenario while still in our home. So if he makes a mistake, stumbles and falls, we're there to help pick him back up and send him the right direction. Okay, so one mom recently shared the following scenario with me. She said, some of my homeschool and public school moms and I feel so overwhelmed because we want to help our sons stay pure in their thoughts and actions, but they are the minority. There are so many examples of ways to encourage biblical living, but sometimes we feel like we are turning them into a goody-goody, as some say. It's like they know situations are wrong and start to feel like they don't know how to act. One friend even told me her son went from doing the right thing to now laughing at the wrong. I know my oldest plays sports and the dugout is a crazy place of crude talk and language. My son often just stays aside, but it is is also frustrated with the constant ick. I know we always have the option not to play. But even at my husband's workplace, it is common talk for men. All right. So my answer to this mom depends greatly on the age of her son. Now, I wouldn't expect a boy much younger than 13 to be able to handle a situation like the one she described. Other things to consider would be the boy's spiritual maturity and whether or not the parents have done the appropriate groundwork to prepare him for peer pressure. Now, we don't have the power to hide our sons from peer pressure and all the related temptations forever. But when they're still young, we need to make sure we don't put them in situations where they will be tempted unnecessarily. Matthew 18 verses 5 through 7 says, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. It would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. So it's, it isn't that our kids should never experience temptation. As Jesus clearly said, it is necessary that the temptations come. However, parents, if we knowingly put our children in situations where they will not be able to resist sin, even if it's just in their thought lives, I feel we're ultimately responsible for what happens. So we need to pray. We need to talk to our husbands and decide the best route to take based on what we know about our son and his readiness for peer pressure. Whether or not we are turning him into a goody-goody should not be our main concern. Guarding our son's heart by protecting him or by walking him through temptation, even though it's uncomfortable, that should be our main concern. So 
including our son, as much as possible in the conversation before the decision is made, whether or not to play sports or to participate in in something where we feel like there could be some negative peer pressure. Um, So inviting them into that conversation before the decision is made is a way to help him own the process and be more invested. So if you've talked about the potential for temptation and how he's going to handle it, he's better prepared to decide if he's ready to move forward. If he is, he can step into the situation more equipped. So for this particular mom whose son plays baseball, I would say you might start by being brutally honest in that conversation with your son about the kinds of things that may be said in the dugout. Let him know the swear words he might hear. Give an example of something the other players might say about a girl, like talking about seeing her naked. You have to decide for yourself if this is the right approach with your son. But keep in mind that if you aren't afraid to talk with him about the harsh reality of what he may be exposed to, he will likely be more comfortable discussing with you what he hears. Then you can counter what's being said with a more accurate biblical perspective and equip your son for the next encounter. For example, if they're talking about naked girls, your son could ask the boys, Would you want someone talking about your mom or sister like that? Even if your son gets a negative response, he will have pointed out the inappropriateness of the other boys' talk and gotten some practice at standing up for what's right. And it 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 practice. I think that's a key word there. As they begin to get older, um, you know, they need to practice this. And we need to give them opportunities to do that. We just want to make sure that the opportunities aren't too much too soon. So what our sons need to understand is that we don't do the right thing for the right results. We do the right thing because it is what God has called us to. God's word is very clear that as believers, we are to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow Jesus. So it's okay to be uncomfortable while doing the right thing. Whatever the situation, our sons need to be ready to do the right thing. So the responsibility of helping boys navigate peer pressure and sexual purity lies squarely on the shoulders of parents. At the end of the day, we are the ones who are responsible for raising our children and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. He is the one we are accountable to. So pray for wisdom and know that if you find yourself not okay with the peer pressure surrounding an activity, you can take your son and walk away. By doing so, you set a solid example for your son of what it looks like to resist peer pressure and obey God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and goodness to us. Lord, we thank you for these boys that you have given us to raise for the kingdom. God, I pray for every mom listening that as she reflects on this episode, that you would just bring to mind and illuminate the parts that she needs to be focused on and pay attention to and remember with her own son. I pray that each mom would also be faithful to bring this, um, these types of situations to their husbands and initiate those conversations with their sons as well. Lord, we thank you um, again for the opportunity to raise these kids in the nurture and admonition of you. Thank you that um, negative peer pressure can be something like 
what Satan means for evil, God can use for good. Help us just to be wise not to expose our boys too too much to too much too soon. Lord, give us discernment, give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, moms, I need to share a resource with you for teens. Now, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I highly recommend Excel College. Um, I did an interview with Andrew um, a while back. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Um, Oh, what an amazing place. You guys know I'm not a huge fan of college, but this is the way college should be done, quite frankly. And it just so happens that there's a summer leadership camp for teens that you guys need to check out. For Victoria, going to XL's summer leadership camp was a big leap of faith for her. She knew she'd be challenged by the adventurous experiences and leadership training, but had made a commitment to say yes to new things. While at camp, she conquered fears and grew spiritually, intellectually, emotionally, and socially. She said, I've never met so many people with similar minds and goals as mine, several of whom I can now consider lifelong friends. In today's culture, it's becoming increasingly more difficult for teens to flourish as individuals, much less find a community of people to flourish with. The Excel Summer Leadership Camp is designed to help teens cultivate a life of flourishing within the context of community. So is your teen hungry for the adventure of a lifetime? Apply now at thexlcamp.org and select Dorenda Wilson for $100 off the camp. Have a great day, moms. Mm-hmm.